Adjustments. 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 You gotta adjust. Adjustments. Adjustments. Make an adjustment already. Adjustments. It's all about who can adjust. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. We are the number one adjustments show in the state of Wisconsin. All about adjustments. How can we adjust, get better, make tweaks, make changes, adjustments. That is the pillar of this program. I I got a text from a friend last night who is a Minnesota sports fan, but he listens to the show from time to time. And he said, Grant, Bucks got waxed. Aaron Rodgers isn't showing up tomorrow. What a bad show you're going to have tomorrow. What What a bad show. I said, tisk 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 tisk, and I am beside myself with the Bucks right now. I tried to be optimistic yesterday, give them every benefit of the doubt, look on the bright side, and then they go and pull that. I I can't even with them right now, right? And Rogers didn't show up today for mandatory mini camp or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's frustrating. Okay, whatever. I'm frustrated with the Bucks and the Packers, but a bad show. Tisk tisk tisk. Oh, Contreras Frere tonight is going to be electric. Tonight's going to be awesome. Yeah, our teams are in shambles, and Bucks are on their way towards elimination, and Aaron Rodgers might actually not play for the Packers ever again, but you know what? We're going to have fun tonight. We're going to... Gosh darn, are we going to have fun tonight? It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I appreciate you tuning in. Might be kind of therapeutic tonight to actually be able to sit down and talk through what we're feeling, let our emotions out. Um, And I I don't want to make the assumption that only men listen to this show. I know that's not the case. We even have um, callers. Brenda likes to call in and has called in before. But men especially, we're we're so bad at talking about our feelings. And we bottle them up, and then it just wears on us. It wears us down. We're not going to do that today. We're here to let it all out, to talk about it, to have conversations about our teams that just love embarrassing themselves on a national stage. So we're going to talk about the Bucks quite a bit. We're going to talk about the Brewers with David Gasper. He will join us at 435. And you know what? We might just get to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers is not at minicamp to the surprise of absolutely no human being on this earth. Uh, He didn't show up today. Shocker. Uh, We will address that breaking news, I guess, coming up after 5 o'clock. If you want to join the show, 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. You can tweet me as well. Follow me at Wisco Grant. I updated you on my personal health yesterday to start the show. My allergies, well, they exist. I've never had allergies before. And I'm a dramatic person, as you can maybe guess, especially when it comes to my health. If I am 1% off kilter, I will let you know about it, and I will complain. My allergies have been terrible. My nose is stuffed up. I joined Ebo this morning on The Zone in Madison at 740. I I was surprised you could even understand me. I I couldn't breathe through my nose. I could hardly breathe through my mouth. I don't even know how I survived last night getting three hours of sleep. And as long as I'm updating you on my personal ailments, my left elbow hurts today, and I don't know what it is. It feels like I need Tommy John. I have not thrown or lifted heavy objects. I can only assume that I slept on it wrong. Um, So I am falling apart at the seams, both physically and mentally, on account of both of my sports teams doing embarrassing things and being on the forefront of uh, national embarrassments. So I am thriving. Uh, My mental and physical health aside, Tonight's show is going to be great. Why don't we start with the Bucks? Yeah, Sophie's Choice. All of our teams are fun to talk about right now. They lost by 39 last night. 
Nice. I'm not going to lie. I did not watch the last couple of minutes. Um, but mostly for symbolic reasons. Uh, the damage had been done. I was angry the entire game. I was depressed the entire game. Skipping the last three minutes did not help me at all. It did not serve any purpose other than to protest. I'm like, I'm going to stick it to the Bucks. I'm going to turn the game off early. I didn't even go to bed. I was up until two. I watched the new Conjuring movie last night after the game. It's very good. But I turned it off a couple minutes left just out of protest because that's how I stick it to my team. And I don't know, the advertisers on TNT or whatever. I don't know. They lost by 39. It was miserable. It was embarrassing. And when it comes to talking about my teams on this show, like I think I have an awesome job. I could not think of any other job that I would want to do. Wouldn't trade this job for anything, except for maybe if I could be like a professional maple syrup farmer. I've always thought that sounds wonderful to spend time in the woods, tending to my trees and my tanks. I would love to be a maple syrup farmer. Okay, I'd have time the rest of the year to watch my teams. And then in the spring, watch college basketball and just make batches of syrup. That sounds awesome. But other than professional maple syrup farmer, this is the job that I want. This is my dream job. However, this job starts to frustrate me when I feel like I have to repeat myself day after day after day. Nobody likes that. You don't like that. I don't like that. That's why a baseball team with a bad offense is the worst. It's the worst. Because the takes are the same every day. Score runs. The, we've we've had stretches with the Brewers like that the last years. It's like, score more. Just score. Play small ball or bunt or I don't know. Don't stop. Stop striking out. Fundamentals. Blah, 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 blah. You do that for a full season, you'd go insane. And when a baseball team has a bad offense, right, the pitching doesn't matter. The bullpen doesn't matter. You can't talk about all the other interesting facets of the game because if you don't score, none of it matters at all. So baseball team with a bad offense, you start talking about the same thing every day. And talking about the same thing every day stinks, which is why today's show is a little bit frustrating because we're going to break down game two, talk about the Bucks losing to the Nets by 39 last night. And today's show is going to be really similar to yesterday's show where we broke down game one, where the Bucks didn't lose by 39, but they still lost by... What was the final score on Saturday? 115-107. They lost by eight. Yeah, I can do that math in my head. Thank you very much. I did have to make sure I wrote down that uh, last night's final score, 125-86. to 86. Yeah, that's a 39-point difference between the two scores. And I made sure to write that down because I knew I wouldn't be able to do it on the air. I knew it. Yesterday's show, today's show, might as well be the exact same show because these games are really similar. Even though they were dramatically different by final score... The Bucs had a nine-point lead in the first quarter at one point in game one. And yet these two games are very, very similar. You know I'm a big bullet point guy. Love my bullet points. Had two bullet points to yesterday's show. What were they? Do you remember? Say them out loud with me. Shooting and Coach Bud, as we talked about. And we talked about game one and the shooting, or lack thereof, and Coach Bud and the mistakes he made, hoping that those two issues would correct themselves going into game two. In game one... Buck shot 6 of 30 from 3. That's an even 20%. That's terrible. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday combined to go 13 of 42. That's really, really bad. Coach Bud, not enough Giannis, not enough Brooke. They didn't stagger Giannis and Brooke. Way too much Jeff Teague, too much isolation, too many transition threes, not enough offensive rebounding. Those are the issues we talked about. Those two issues, those two bullet points, they were bad in game one. And you know what's frustrating? They might have even been worse in game two. Last night. Now, the final score would certainly indicate that. The shooting was... Uh, uh, it couldn't have been worse. It was so bad in game one, but it was just as bad. And Coach Bud, I don't I don't know what he was doing last night. Last night's loss is as embarrassing as it gets. Made me feel stupid for having believed in this team. 
Our friend Bart Winkler tweeted that last night. It's like, the Bucks make you feel so stupid for believing in them. I don't think there's a better way to sum up Bucks fandom. At least since outside, what, 1971? They just make you feel dumb for buying in. I'll never buy into this team again. Oh, until next year. All right, quiet down. It's the Bucks' first national embarrassment since September of last year. We had a good streak going. Wisconsin's first national embarrassment since February in the NFC title game. So we've had a couple in the last few months. Let's start with the shooting. Bullet point number one. It was horrendous. Of course. <laughs> of course it was. They shot 20% from three in game one. They shot 29% from three in game two. That still sucks. And it sucks even worse when you consider that Brooklyn went from 38% from three in game one to 50% in game two. Oh, wonderful. So the Bucks had two terrible shooting games to open this series. Brooklyn had a pretty bad shooting game and then an amazing shooting game. And this is why I always cringe when I hear analysts say things like, well, they won't shoot like that again. That player won't shoot that well again. The Bucks won't miss that many shots again. Oh, Brooklyn won't shoot that well again. Ah, sure, it might not happen again, but it did happen in the first place, right? You can't look at game one and say, well, Mike James won't play like that again. Well, he did. That game counts. Brooklyn's up one to nothing. The game counts whether it's an outlier game or not. So that first, if you're talking about, oh, they won't shoot like that again. Well, first, sure, they might not, but the game still counts, outlier or not. And second, even if the Bucks don't shoot that bad again, there's no guarantee that they'll shoot that much better. That was the case from game one to game two. Yes, there was no chance that they were going to shoot, what, six of 30 from three and even 20%. Yeah, they were going to shoot that bad. But there's no telling that they're about to jump to 45%. They bumped up to 29. That's not that much better. On the road in the second round of the playoffs, it's still not going to get it done. That's why I don't like to use the logic, well, they won't shoot that bad again. Well, they might. And even if they don't, who's to say they don't shoot, what, two percentage points better? Yeah, they progressed. Not nearly enough. As a team, bad from three. Once again, last night, 8 of 27 which is 44%, or that's 44, 44% from the field, excuse me, 29% from three. They were 37 of 84 altogether, which is horrendous still from the field, 44% from the field, especially with Brooke and Giannis, and you're attacking the paint. That's horrendous. That's terrible. So it's a team, bad shooting once again. And individually, I love Chris Middleton. You know I love Chris Middleton, but he's been just awful this series. And it's become mental now. Chris is due for a bad game here and there. And in game one of the playoffs after a week off, it's very reasonable. I'm not going to kill Chris for that. He was 6-23 of in game one. So he comes into game two. You're thinking, all right, get him on track right away. Let's get him some good looks. Maybe get him to the free throw line. He'll see the ball go through the net. He'll be back to his, his same old tricks by halftime. Taking tough turnaround jumpers, attacking the rim when he gets a mismatch, and hitting some good threes when he gets a look he likes. No, he started this game 0 for 6 in the first quarter. He didn't hit a shot. I think he started the game 0 for 8 altogether before finally getting a bucket. And it's like, okay, he is broken. Like, like you're going to need to turn him off and turn him back on again. That's where Chris Middleton is right now. And as their second best player against a team whose second best player is Kyrie Irving, and you're on the road, and the role players are all playing really well, that's not going to cut the mustard, Chris. And I love Chris Middleton. And I think sometimes I go out of my way to defend him an extra amount because I think the slander that Chris Middleton takes is unfair. But I think sometimes we build up Chris Middleton then to such a degree that's unfair because we're overcompensating for making up the slander. Like when Colin Coward says, he's a number four on a title team. Well, no, he's not. Okay, 
Can we relax? Like, that's ridiculous. So then I go out of my way to say, well, he might be better than Anthony Davis. You know, like, we're just, we're polarized. We go to extremes with Chris Middleton when the actual reality is he's somewhere in the middle. Very similar to Kirk Cousins, right? Kirk Cousins, pick any given Sunday. You could be proven correct about how you feel about Kirk Cousins because once or twice a year, he'll have one of the best games ever. And you'll be like, see, Kirk is great. And if you wait two weeks, he'll have a terrible game. And see, I told you he's garbage all along. Well, no, he's not. An MVP, he's not garbage. He's somewhere in the middle. So if we can get off of our polarized viewpoints and just kind of come together by the Beatles, we'd have a more accurate understanding of a player. And that's the problem with Chris Middleton. People unfairly slander him, so I feel like I need to go out of my way to build him up, probably to an unfair degree to the other side of the spectrum. It's a mess. All right, but I don't want to turn this into the Chris Middleton show. Brooke Lopez is their best player to start the game last night. He was making it happen in the first quarter. So naturally, Coach Bud subbed him out of there as fast as possible, of course. He only played six minutes in the first quarter. I can't. Let's talk about Coach Bud. Like, what the hell? Like, what, what is going on? What are you doing? Bud has little to no control over his players hitting shots. And Giannis was playing like a shell of himself last night. I think it's a little unfair that I was pointing out how bad Chris Middleton was without pointing out that Giannis, I don't know what he was doing. Was he on drugs? Did he eat an edible before checking into the game? I don't know what he did. What was that? He's being guarded by Blake Griffin. He looked scared. He was, he was afraid to press on the attack against Blake Griffin. I don't know what his deal was. And in the defensive coach, Bud, he has little to no control over Chris Middleton shooting like absolute dump. And he has little to no control over Giannis playing like a shell of himself. He has a little control. He's the head coach. He's technically in charge of everything. But they, but it's not like he can just go out and pat someone on the butt a couple of times and that's going to up their shooting percentage. That's not how it works. But there are things in Coach Bud's control where I just, I, I, don't, I don't get. I don't understand. Why are you playing zone? You started this game in a zone against the Brooklyn Nets, who do nothing but shoot really well from the outside. They had a 50% performance from three. And you're playing zone like a middle school team, and not even the good middle school team. We're talking about the traveling weekend teams. Let's all be real. There's a good team and there's a bad team. And the good team is stacked with all the parents that think their kid is the next coming of Michael Jordan. You got to be on the good team. And then the other team gets all the scrubs. We're not even talking about the good middle school team. We're talking about the other team where they stash all the bad kids. Like, those teams play zone because it's easy. Go out there, run a 2-3, we'll hope something good happens. Why are you running zone against Brooklyn? Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, who hit four threes in the first game. Why did your mind go, hey, you know what I think we should do? I like zone. Let's go get some more zone. I don't, I don't, where did that come from? Where did, I don't, I don't, I don't know what book he got that from. Maybe some podcast self-improvement coaching podcast he was listening to. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you're playing zone. I don't understand. I don't know why and how the Nets can outscore the Bucks in second chance points. The Bucks outscored the uh, the Bucks were outscored by the Brooklyn Nets 15 to 11. That shouldn't even be possible. The Bucks loom. The, the the Bucks dwarf the Nets in size and they're getting outscored on second chance points. How is how does that even that doesn't compute in my mind? How do you take 21 fewer shots in the paint? in game two compared to game one. Think about what went well in game one in that first quarter. You're pounding the paint. You're looking to smash smaller defenders, hunt mismatches, get to the rim, get second chance opportunities. How do you go from game one to game two and attempt 21 fewer shots in the paint? You're going backwards. You're going backwards. 
and there was no physicality at all. The Nets didn't attempt a free throw in the second or the third quarter, which you might think, wow, good on the Bucks for not fouling. No, that means you're not playing with any level of physicality. You're not trying. You're just putting a hand in the air. You, you know, Roger Dorn in Major League, given that Ole defense, that revolving door defense, I, I, don't, I don't get it. And on offense, how are you playing ISO? You're trying to isolate your offense and out-ISO the Brooklyn Nets. That's what they do. That's like that's like trying to go on, beat Bobby Flay, and you're going to chop up a Serrano pepper and hope to make some, some tamale that's better than Bobby Flay. It's not. It's a losing battle. That's not going to work. Why would you ever do that? Right? You can't beat Bobby Flay at his own game, and you can't out-ISO Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You're using Giannis at the top of the key in ISO. Have you not watched the playoffs for the last two years? About Toronto, building the wall. Last year, Miami, building the wall. What does Coach Bud do? He's like, hey, you know what? I think third time's a charm. Let's try it again. Set him up, bartender. Let's let's crash down that wall. Ugh. Oh, it's just nuts. Coach Bud has no control over Chris Middleton shooting like dump. Although the shot selection was terrible, too. And Coach Bud does have some control over that. I just, I don't get the man. I do not get the man. I haven't for the last three years. I'm not trying to blame it all on him because these players mailed it in. But look, I, I, I did do four minutes of thinking to come up with a laundry list of things that just make no sense from that game yesterday. Took me four or five minutes. I had time to go get coffee this afternoon. Show prepped itself. Didn't even have to read or do anything. I just closed my eyes and remember everything I saw last night. Let's take a break. I want to continue talking about this. Send me a text. Tell me how you feel. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Talk Bucks for a couple of more minutes, and then we'll get on the horn with David Gasper reviewing the brew to talk Brujas, the one team that's not letting us down at the moment. He's coming up at 435. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We thought this was going to be a great series, and it still might be, but I saw panic in their eyes tonight, and they're going to have to have, let's get together tomorrow. We're not going to practice. We're going to talk. They haven't been ready to play at either game. Are you saying you, you kind of saw a deer in the headlights? Look. That's not funny. That's not funny. Ernie is from Milwaukee. He has the gall to make that joke. That's not funny. First of all, the Bucks lost by 39 on national TV in the playoffs. That's not funny at all. That's not something we joke about. And second, have you ever hit a deer on the highway, Ernie? That's not, that's not anything to joke about. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Deer is a beautiful creature. Can't believe that's something that they would joke about. Wisco Sports Show. We're going to get into the Brewers in a few minutes. I I keep saying we're going to get into the Packers, and we will after 5 o'clock. I just, I don't care. I don't care. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to show up to camp. Okay. They're all just running around out there in pennies anyways. Who gives a dang? It might as well be a high school gym class. Going out and playing kickball. I I don't care. So we'll talk a little bit about the Aaron Rodgers stuff and the Packers after 5 o'clock. But no, I'm not not moving our regularly scheduled programming to talk to David Gasper reviewing the brew about the Brewers every Tuesday. That, Rodgers will not ruin that. Might ruin the team's salary cap. Might ruin the training camp by not showing up. He's not ruining this show. The buck stops here on the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, if I forgot to say that. On Twitter, at Wisco Grant. A couple of texts over the break. Rob, poor Rob. Rob says, I've gotten used to my teams embarrassing themselves. Try being a Bears, Brewers, and Knicks fan. What, are, what is... 
Oh, Knicks. Rob, you live in Stoddard. Is there a large contingent of New York Knicks fans there? Does Spike Lee have a vacation home down on the river? Thank you for the text. Joseph says, great intro, Rant. I'm laughing out loud. Spot on with the zone and ISO. Bud needs to be better. Yeah, I just don't, I don't get it. Why do you want to play zone against the Nets? That's counterintuitive. And too much isolation on offense. It would be one thing if you're playing the Heat. The Heat have a terrible offense. It would be one thing if you were playing the Celtics, who were without Jalen Brown and without some important scores. If you're playing against another offense that's not very good, okay, I can see mixing in some ISO possessions. But you got to keep pace with the Nets. You're not going to out-ISO the Nets. They invented ISO. I made a Bobby Flay reference. I'll take it one further for those of you who watch Chop. It would be like trying to make fresh pasta for Scott Conan. You just don't do it. He gets like, he gets irrationally upset when someone serves him bad pasta. He thinks of himself as the grand poobah of pasta for the entire culinary world. And if you serve him bad pasta, it looks like he's going to cry. And you're getting chopped. You're get, like you're gone. So just don't do it. It's the same thing. Don't play ISO against the Nets. It's not a battle. You're going to win. What's the expression? You don't fight a land war in Russia in winter or something. Exact same concept. You keep a lot of these analogies going. They all mean the same thing. We're going to talk Brewers in a few minutes. But first, I I wanted to speak about what others were speaking about on the Bucks today. Because the, the takeaway from this game is the same takeaway from game one. Just a little bit more dramatic. The shooting was terrible. Coach Bud, he just, he, he's not... He's not pushing the right buttons. I, I give him credit for game two. He he tried to push some buttons. They were just the wrong buttons. At least I give him credit for cry, trying a little bit. I, but I think the reaction today to the series is just frustrating. Like, I, I go on Twitter today. I follow a lot of accounts from different shows like ESPN, FS1, just to see what people have to say because I like to see the reaction of others. And it's just nuts. Like, everyone today had their it's done it's over, stick a fork in him rant because that's what we do. Like, that's the only form of opinion that's ever shared on these shows about these playoff series. We just wait for some team to get up by a game or two and then we just call the shot and say that it's over. Here's Chris Broussard uh, saying that this series is done and the Bucks are toast. Uh, Brandon's Clippers are done. Oh. Finished. <laughs> toast. It's over. Do I, do I need to go Kenny Smith on them? This is over, wait, yeah. okay? And here's why. Dallas is just better. Oh, hey, that's the wrong sound, actually. That was Chris Broussard saying the Clippers were done when they were down 0-2. Actually, da- uh, the Clippers came back to win that series. That was wrong sound, but excuse me. Here's Chris Broussard literally a week later. Oh, but it's done for the Bucks. It is over. Ah. Yes, this yes, a this thousand times, yeah. yes. It is over. Oh, we've done All it right? again. Period. We've done it, it, it again. It's over. And, and, and I, I don't care about the rest he has to say. This is so, I, I hate it. I wake up today, my heart aching. For my Milwaukee Bucks. And all I want to do is consume some good NBA content. I want to listen to a podcast. All right, critically, let's get into this. Let's chew on it. Why did the Bucks lose? What can they do better? I am I want to get better mentally. What can I learn about this team? And I got to tune into TV, listen to podcasts, and all it is is a bunch of analysts letting their you-know-what up on the table saying it's over. That's so, it's so boring. It's so tired. Plus, he did this a week ago on the Clippers, and he turned out to be very wrong. And who was it that texted in or tweeted in, excuse me, at Wisco Grant? It was Josh. Josh tweets in and says, hey, Grant, it's been done before. Teams have come back down two games to nothing. And I said, oh, my God, Josh, you're right. Oh, wait, it was the Bucks that blew it. Like, I would feel better about precedent of teams coming back from 0-2 deficits 
except the last time it happened, it was against the Bucks. Of, co- of course. Naturally, it was. Like, it just, it never ends with this team. It never ends with this team, Josh. Thank you for the tweet because you make a great point. Josh, I'll read your tweet exactly. Just remember the Bucks had a 2-0 lead over the Raptors, and look how that turned out. Yeah, but weirdly, that doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> But you're telling me that the team that was up 2-0 and couldn't get it done is now down 0-2, and that's the reason why they can come back? I don't know if I'm uh, I don't know if I'm buying that. Stephen A. this morning was really mad, and I just I just think this is funny, so I'll share it with you before we take a break. I guess he's like morally offended about the Bucks. Stephen A. is upset because I don't know, the sky's blue, grass is green. Budenholzer, I hope he's enjoying his days. How in God's name do you come out? and start the game on a zone. A zone against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He's not making with Joe Harrison. He's not making adjustments. No adjustments. You got your team helpless. You got Giannis. Listen, this is basketball, y'all. Yeah. You got Giannis. When you have a basketball player with Giannis's ability, sitting there talking about, well, we can't do anything with them. I mean, we just got to figure it out as a group. We got to be more physical. We do- no, you! Because in the, in the sport of basketball, more than any other place, it comes down to you! <laughs> that is pretty funny. That's pretty well done. I love how Max, out of nowhere, is like, he's not making adjustments! And Stephen A's like, yeah, you're damn right he's not making adjustments. It's like, well, actually, you're complaining about him going to his zone. That in and of itself is an adjustment. It's a terrible one, but don't say he didn't make adjustments. And I'm look, I'm not defending him. It's a stupid idea, but it's an idea nonetheless. Right? Like, oh, he didn't make adjustments. Yes, he did. They were just terrible. <laughs> I was thinking today uh, of listening to that soundbite and having Max Kellerman chime in. Adjustments! I thought of a, a Family Guy episode. I wish Ebo was with us because he could probably speak to this too. There's a Family Guy episode... Uh, where Peter and Quagmire and Joe and Cleveland start an, an improv group, right? And Peter's an idiot, so it goes terribly, right? And all throughout the episode, there's just this random clip of James Lipton from inside the actor's studio, and it pops up for just like just a second. And he goes, improv! And that's all it is. Improv! So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing that, just adjustments in random moments when it makes no sense. That's some max. I mean, listen, Max, Max can't even wait. It's just not even topical. It's not even applicable. It's not even correct. And he just jumps in there. He's like, he's not making adjustments. I hope he's enjoying his days. How in God's name do you come out and start the game on a zone? A zone against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He's not making adjustments. He's not making adjustments. He's not making adjustments. Yes, he is. The zone was an adjustment. It was a terrible one. God, you, you can't help yourself adjustments let's adjust let's talk about the brewers i want to talk with our buddy david gasper reviewing the brew coming up next here on the wisco sports show this is the wisco sports show with grant bills on the wisconsin sports zone radio network Wisco Sports Show. My name Grant Bills. Just did a half hour on the Bucks, and that was that was electric. Talking about Coach Bud, and I think lost in all of this is how bad Giannis was last night. I know we're going to talk about Chris Middleton and how he's had a terrible two games to start the series, which the Chris Middleton haters are loud and proud right now, and I, I get why. Have your moment. But Giannis was bad too, and I know that we're kind of upset at Coach Bud, and he's doing all these dumb dumb things. Look, Coach Bud is responsible for Giannis playing scared last night, to be honest. 
not his fault. Now, he's not without blame. A lot of blame to go around, which is what we're trying to make sense of. Maybe we'll get to the Packers. I'm thinking at 5.15, we'll get to the Packers. We'll step aside tonight at 5.30 because the Brewers Radio Network will be taking over. Brewers are in Cincinnati, so they have a little bit of an earlier start, 6.10, which means an hour less of me getting mad about whatever, which is fine because I don't really want to have to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers anyways. So save me uh, the half hour of something that I have zero interest in. The Brewers, I am interested in. David Gasper reviewing the Brew. Uh, I, I said before I brought Jan Gasper, Aaron Rodgers can ruin a lot of things. He can ruin training camp, ruin the salary cap, ruin the Packers front office. I don't care if he shows up or not. He is not ruining our what has become a weekly conversation on Tuesday. So I don't care if Aaron Rodgers retires. I don't care if he goes out and shoots someone right now. We are still talking Brewers at this time, and I'm happy to have you. How are you, my friend? I'm I'm doing good. I, I hope Aaron Rodgers doesn't go out there and, and shoot somebody, but no. uh, if he does, I, I think I know who his target might be. Yeah, yeah, it might be um, it might be one of our UWL uh, alum alumnus alumni, one another UWL Eagle. Yeah, Brian Gudikin's probably not in a in good standing with Aaron Rodgers. Were you at um, the Corbin Burns game? Was that on Sunday? Were you at the game? I know you've been going to all his starts or a lot of his starts. Were you there on Sunday? Yeah, I was there on Sunday. Hank Aaron bobblehead day, Corbin Burns day. You know, got to go there for that. What was what was it like to watch a Brewers starting pitcher go seven innings? And now there's some fans back in the building. Like, that just has to be. I mean, that's a day you remember, right? That's the type of game that gets replayed on mm-hmm. Valley Sports Wisconsin as a classic. Like, what was it like to be there? It was great, really. Um, you know, you know, just watching Corbin Burns really just kind of you know, dominate there in the early innings, getting all the strikeouts and... You know, I was looking at the pitch count. I'm like, man, if he just had the pitch count down a little bit more, I mean, he could probably be challenging Ben Sheets for the you know record for 18 strikeouts in a game there in franchise history. Uh, but, I mean, he was electric. He had his career high in strikeouts there with 13. Um, and what was really cool was uh, in the sixth inning there, the Brewers had already gotten a uh, run on the board. They'd finally gotten burned some run support there later in the game. And... Uh, it was Daniel Robertson was, was up at the eighth spot in the order with the guy on, and Arizona decided to intentionally walk him to get to Burns, hoping that Council, seeing an opportunity to score some runs, would pull Burns for a pinch hitter. Yeah. Uh, and instead, Council decided to roll with Burns. He sent Burns out there, and I mean, yeah, there were two outs. He grounded out to end the inning, and you know, we didn't get any more runs. But uh, Burns went back out there for the seventh, and I thought that was something that was uh, really cool to see, and it's something that. The fans were really into as well. I mean, they saw Burns on deck. Everyone was kind of watching him. Then he started walking towards home plate, and everyone just kind of started standing up and cheering. It's like, yes, you're, you're letting this guy go. So uh, it was really exciting to, to be there. Well, I know Brewers fans hate when Craig Council pulls a starter early, whether it's in the seven, Like, it, he never leaves him in long enough, right? Like, if the game is close, the starter should pitch all nine. Like, I think a lot of Brewers fans feel that way, mm-hmm. and I would imagine you get those tweets. I get them from time to time. It was cool to see him go seven. I think that's a length of an outing we can all wrap our arms around. Like, I think we're all happy with that on Sunday, and it was a, a classic game, and it was one that was really fun to watch. I'm jealous that you were there. We're talking with David Gasper reviewing the brew. Let's talk about the offense, because the offense, it didn't score a ton of runs this weekend, but it, it took care of business. It got Woody the win on Saturday. Well, not literally the win. I think, was it Williams that got the win on Saturday? And then it won the game for Burns on, on Sunday. Two moments where the offense started to feel normal. The offense has felt across the league just so broken this year. And there were two moments this weekend. Number one on Saturday, I'm watching Brent Suter come out. The Brewers were up three, and he gives up two home runs and three runs. The game is tied. And in that moment, I thought, well, that's a bummer for Woodruff, but the Brewers will score more runs. 
Like, I felt confident that they were going to go out and score mm-hmm. more, and they did. That's a feeling I didn't have all day. And then yesterday, or, or Sunday, uh, was it Chad Smith or whoever, the dude who's pitching for the, the Diamondbacks? It seemed like as his outing went along, the Brewers got better swings, right? They had better at-bats. And it wasn't reflected in the scoring, but, like, Urias had a leadoff double, and they, they got success later on in the outing, as you would typically see the second and the third time through the order. So even if the scoring wasn't there— I had these moments this weekend where I'm like, okay, that's what offense is supposed to feel like. Did you get a sense of that this weekend? Yeah, things are, are certainly starting to to look a lot better with this offense. I mean, you had uh, uh, Christian Yelich on Saturday there having the oppo home run uh, to put the Brewers back in the lead there in the eighth inning. Um, that's something that we haven't really seen from him at all this year. We haven't seen Yelich back to normal. Uh, so with him going to the opposite field, getting a home run there, I mean, that was really kind of a, a great sight to see. Um, and, then, and then when it came to Sunday, yeah, first time through the order, they didn't really get anything going against Caleb Smith. Uh, then the second time, they started, you know, getting a few more hits around. And, you know, then you had your unlikely heroes of Daniel Robertson uh, and Tyrone Taylor coming through with the home runs. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're finally getting going. And one of the big uh, pieces, I think, of that is, has been Willie Adamas. I mean, really, since Adamas joined the team, uh, this offense has really been showing a lot more life. They've won 12 of the last 15 games. Uh, since Adamas has arrived, and bringing him in uh, has re- has really brought a whole bunch of energy to this team that really didn't seem to be there before. And, and Adamas is bringing a lot of offensive production himself, uh, but he's not really kind of the carrying guy in terms of the numbers. But, you know, he's come in, and all of a sudden, uh, Luis Arias has been hitting a lot better. Evisel Garcia has been hitting really well. Yelich is now hitting better. Narvaez is still hitting well. Um, and, you know, you just kind of get these guys going. And, you know, hitting's contagious that way. Willie Adamas, you mentioned kind of two veins with him, right? The the offense that he's brought, and he's been great. He's hitting 269 in 15 games as a brewer. He has 14 hits, including three home runs, 11 RBIs. He's been great. The offense has been there, but the energy has been there too. And I think both of those components have helped this brewer squad. They're 11 and three since they traded for Willie Adamas. I want to talk about the energy because you follow this team on a granular level. You're at the ballpark quite a bit. You live in Milwaukee you have that that privilege which is amazing and I'm very jealous but I I see comments from Yelich and Narvaez and Burns they all mention his energy right I listened to this podcast with Chris Rose and Tyler Glass now talking about how when Adamas is traded to Milwaukee right his energy and his personality was welcomed open arms the Brewers were smiling as as he came in right is as, as much as the Brewers needed his offense which has been there like, does a baseball team really need a spark? Can one energy guy really make that big of a difference? Yeah, I, I think it really can. And, you know, just like hitting is contagious, so is energy. And the Brewers have had a number of guys like that in recent years. Orlando Arcia was one of them. Jesus oh. Aguilar uh, was one of them. Hernan Perez uh, was one of them. Those are kind of big clubhouse guys that uh, they bring a lot of energy. And the Brewers have kind of been lacking that. I mean, they lost Aguilar. Uh, 2019, and they lost Aaron Perez, and then the last guy there, uh, Orlando Arcia, they traded him earlier this year, and then all of a sudden in the weeks that followed, there was a serious lack of energy that pretty much everyone noticed. Um, you, your only real other energy guys in that clubhouse are Brent Studer, uh, who's out in the bullpen, and yeah. Manny Pena, your backup catcher. So you need a little bit more there, um, and that's where bringing in Willie Adonis, I think, really helped. Um, and, and he brings that energy and can supply it to the rest of the guys on that team. 
Um, and that can really, you know, spark some stuff with the offense. And that's what it's done over the last couple of weeks since he's been here. It's been so fun to watch, and his at-bats are exciting. And you make a good point. The energy guys are kind of spread out. Like, Brent Suter can only do so much from the bullpen yeah. all the way out in left center field. I, I think you're right. David Gasper reviewing the brew. Uh, one or two more questions here. I suppose we should talk about Keston here. They sent him back down. And it's funny because we're on the schedule here of we talk every week, and now every other week, Keston here is either coming up or going down. He was sent down on Monday. I mean, how long does he stay there? I, I feel like fans want to send guys down right away if they're bad, and they want to call up anyone who's playing well in AAA right away. Like, we're very fickle. We're very emotional with how we want to manage players between the majors and the minors. Can you add a little nuance, little perspective to, to actually how this should work for the next couple of weeks or months for Keston Hira? Yeah, so with what it's looking like for Hira, um, they asked Craig Council um, about it. And he was saying that basically, you know, they didn't get the results that they wanted after the short stint. So it's they're looking at a, possibly a, a longer stint in AAA uh, for Keston Hira. So he's going to be down there for a little bit longer than the, you know, week or two weeks uh, that uh, he was down there initially. Um, so, you know, they, they want to make sure that, you know, this is kind of the last time that they have to do this. So they, they don't want to keep on sending him up and down and yo-yoing, yo-yoing him back and forth. Yeah. Um, so that, that's really kind of the the big thing because they, they don't want to mess with Hira mentally any more than they already have this year. So I, I think by sending him down, I, I honestly, in my personal opinion, I don't think we see him back before the All-Star break. Uh, I think he's going to be down there at, at least through that. That would put it at, at about a month down in the minor leagues. You know, maybe we could see him back after the All-Star break, depending on how he does in AAA. Uh, but, I mean, they're, they're coming to a decision point here, you know, somewhere, because in about six weeks or so, you're coming up on the trade deadline. And if Kesson here is not right by then, you need to get something else for first base. Yeah. So the, you, you got to give him a couple weeks to try and figure things out down there. Um, and then, you know, if he doesn't have it or if he does have it figured out down there and then you bring him up and he still doesn't have it figured out at the big league level, then you have to be able to pivot at the trade deadline and get, you know, something else. So uh, they're coming up on decision time, but they're going to give him uh, enough time down in AAA where they feel like he can completely reset uh, before they bring him back up. Sure, they're going to have to, to quote, uh, who said this in Breaking Bad? I think it was Mike. No half measures, all right? We don't want half measures. We want a full stint in the minors to give him a chance to completely reset, like you said, and the Brewers will have to, Pivot, depending on whether he can reset successfully or not. Gasper, I want to give you a chance to be the hot take artist here. Like, you you just spread your wings and fly with this next question. I'm not asking you to be the voice of reason at all. I'm asking you to to postulate a little bit here. Give me a hypothesis. Three teams right now jostling for the lead in the NL Central. Very back and forth. These teams are up and down, up and down, up and down. If you had to bet one of these teams to run out of gas and drop out of the race for the NL Central at some point over the next month or two between the Brewers, Cubs, or Cardinals, which one do you think it would be? I think it's going to be the Chicago Cubs, to be honest. I mean, this, this team, they, they've gotten it, you know, a little bit together offensively behind Chris Bryant. Um, but, I mean, this is also a group of guys that uh, they don't really have much in that rotation outside of Kyle Hendricks. Um, that they're, a lot of their guys are free agents at the end of the year. And, you know, some of them could be looking to, to play elsewhere. You know, a lot of them have said, you know, okay, maybe we want to, you know, of course we want to stick around. That's what they say. But 
you know, things have been uh, getting kind of heated. There was a you know disagreement on the bench there between Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras um, that uh, David Ross had to kind of step in the middle of uh, last week. And, you know, they're really just uh, – they lost last night. And, you know, right now they're a half game back of the Brewers who are in sole possession of first place. Mm. But, I mean, there's someone that, that's really just kind of been an underperforming team the past several years. And now with all these guys really kind of on the verge of uh, free agency and hitting it big, Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, um, you know, they, they may end up just kind of losing interest. And, you know, if they end up falling slightly out of it there, the Cubs may end up uh, deciding to, you know, trade some of them and try to get something back for them if they feel that they're not going to resign them in free agency. Now, we'll see if they actually do that or not. Um, I have a hard time seeing them actually parting with Rizzo or Bryant or, yeah. or Baez, but if they if they fall enough out of the race, they might. Yeah, that's going to be a tough decision to make, especially if they're hovering right around the top of the division. Whether they think they're an amazing team or not with a chance to contend, that's a tough sell to fans to be in the mix and, and to still do all your guys. Gasper, I unfortunately at some point today got to talk about the Packers. I would not be doing my job if I'm not, but I appreciate you killing 12 minutes with me here and and talking about the Brewers who are playing out of their minds and deserve our attention. So I appreciate you, man. Thanks. Yep. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. David Gasper reviewing the brew. Take care. It's becoming my favorite uh, way to say goodbye to people. I think that comes with adulthood saying, take care, take care, Gasper reviewing the brew. Follow him on Twitter at dgasper 24. Let's take a break. Come back. We'll kind of tie a nice little bow around our Brewers conversation, maybe throw in a dash of Bucks, and then we'll get back into the Bucks full-fledged right after 5 o'clock. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. Brewers will start in exactly 13 and a half minutes, 535. They're in Cincinnati tonight, so a 610 first pitch, a little bit early. So we will wrap up this show, turn it over to the Brewers Radio Network. And you know what? I'm fine with it. I'm fine. What it, we covered everything today, right? We talked about the Bucks. We talked about the Brewers. And now for a few minutes, we're going to talk about the Packers. And what else is there to be said? I'm glad that we don't have another 40 minutes to ramble about Aaron Rodgers because I don't want to do it. I don't care. Okay, I just, I don't. A very limited energy for this Aaron Rodgers story. I think as Brenda did. Brenda from Madison, our friend. First time in a while we've heard from Brenda. And she said, look, if he wants to play, okay, cool. If not, I guess sit out if that's what you want. Fine. And I'm kind of with her. I agree. Binks texts in 608-796-2558 and says, I have a Rodgers question. Well, send it, text it in then. What are you waiting for, champ? Send me a text. Excuse me, I have to cough. (coughs) Allergies. And I don't have a producer. This is normally where I'd say, hey, producer, what'd you think about the game last night? And then I'd let him talk. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Yep. I saw that part of the game last night, too. Thank you. <clears throat> Allergies are terrible. Excuse me. Bob texts in and says, I'm sure Rodgers is practicing plenty. His golf game, that is. It's his best chance of beating Tom Brady. Yeah. The match. Him and Bryson DeChambeau taking on, what is it? Brady and, Brady and Mickelson, right? On July 6th. That'll be fun. I, I would imagine he probably says something before then. I don't think he wants this to come to a head at his golf tournament. Although, I mean, we assume that everybody's going to ask him about that at that event. I don't know. Do you, do you want to walk up to Aaron Rodgers right now and ask him, you know, what gives? Pat McAfee on his show today, he's like, I've texted 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers, a few times where I've typed the message and then I've looked at it and I've said, eh, better not, and then deleted it. I don't know if anyone's walking up to the grill of Aaron Rodgers being like, so, dude, are you going to play or not? I mean, I mean, good God, man, figure it out. You're touring the Pacific Coast, the Pacific Islands of Hawaii. You're hitting all the spots. You're going to Hawaii to this volcano to that one, just you and the cast of Divergent. You going to come play football or no, you hippie? I don't think anybody's going to go ask him that even at his uh, golf tournament. But, Bob, that might be his best chance of beating Tom Brady. Uh, that or some devil magic, which Tom Brady seems to have mastered. So, the news. We have seven full minutes to do this. Oh, this is perfect. The news today. Aaron Rodgers went from a potential holdout to an official holdout, which I didn't know that we made such distinctions. But, hey, I guess there's got to be a new Aaron Rodgers story every day. So, today was the day where he went from a potential holdout to a official holdout. I don't know if there's an abbreviation for that that goes on the stat sheet or whatever it is. Because we're not a big show on speculation, Zach Heilprin keeps us kind of grounded in the way that we approach journalism. With this no time. No time. Brewers are on tonight. We don't have time, Zach. Zach keeps us grounded whenever we get out over our skis complaining about what writer did this or wrote that. We're a fact-based show. Okay, so today I'm only going to talk about the facts. And these facts have been reported extensively, repeatedly, nonstop, actually, for the last couple of weeks. And here's what matters on this day, today, June 8th, year of our Lord 2021. Couple of facts. Number one, today was the beginning of mandatory minicamp, and Aaron Rodgers did not show up. Now, this surprised no one, so I, I don't really think it's a story, but hey, here we are. We're covering this story, you bet. Today was the beginning of mandatory minicamp, and Rodgers, despite it being mandatory, is not there. Now, the Packers can fine him $93,000 per day, or they could elect not to fine him at all. They could excuse said fine if they do. That's where we stand. Uh, Furthermore, mandatory minicamp, mandatory meaning he needs to be there, minicamp meaning it's not camp, but it's mini, running around in pennies. Rodgers did not show up. He is not there. And again, the Packers could find him, again, $93,000 a day. They could. That would be once a day, $93,000 for the remainder of this portion of camp. Mandatory mini camp. Mandatory meaning he must be there. Mini camp meaning it's not a full camp. It's the mini version. Did I mention Aaron Rodgers didn't show up? They could find him $93,000 per day. So once a day, $93,000. Or they could elect to not find him at all. They could put him on the exempt list which then they wouldn't fine him. The fine, again, would be $93,000 per day. Their fi- the fine, of course, would be because this is mandatory. Mandatory minicamp, he's not there, even though he's supposed to, he's mandated to be there. Minicamp, meaning it's not full training camp. Did I mention Aaron Rodgers isn't there? I'm going to go insane talking about this story. If I have to read one more article that says the exact same thing, mandatory minicamp, Rodgers isn't there, Packers could fine him $93,000 a day, or they could not find him at all. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Thank God the Brewers play early tonight because I can't do this. I can't. Wait, wait, wait. I, they could They could find him or they could not. Enough, okay? Enough. I'm not paying attention to this. I'm not doing this. I'm tired, okay? My allergies are acting up. I don't get any sleep. And I wake up feeling like dumped because my throat is sore because I can't breathe out my nose. I'm pretty sure at some point I'm going to have to start breathing out my ears. Right, The Bucks are losing by 40 points to the Nets on national TV, a team without one of their best players. I'm expected to pay this mind? I'm expected to pay attention to this? I refuse. I won't do it. I, I refuse. 
Herman texts in, could you repeat that, G? I missed it. Herman, of course, for you. If you missed the facts, today was the beginning of mandatory minicamp. Mandatory, meaning players are mandated to be there. Required, uh, forced, expected. Get out your thesaurus. We can really break this down on a granular level. Aaron Rodgers did not show up despite it being mandatory. Now, because of this, the Packers could fine him 30, or uh, excuse me, my dyslexia, $93,000 per day, meaning every day they could fine him that sum. Now, they could do that, but they could also elect to not fine him at all, and at which point they would put him on some sort of exempt list, exempt from the rules, the rules being that the minicamp is mandatory. Mini meaning not full training camp, yet mandatory minicamp, meaning Rogers should be there. Did I mention he's not there? I'm going to go lay down in the street. Herman, I repeated that again just for you. This is madness, okay? And Brenda from Madison, great friend of show, she said, I'm, I'm over this. I don't have time for this. I got a life to live. I got to put food on the table. I got to go to work every day. I got to make sure I don't have a heat stroke every time I go outside because this weather is ridiculous, which is mentally wearing me down. I don't have time for this. I'm not going to do it, okay? If Rodgers wants to come back and play, wonderful. That would be great. Reigning MVP, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I have his jersey. But if he doesn't want to come back and play, I'm not reading one more article about how they could or could not find him, depending on their choice, for mandatory minicamp. I don't want to know the difference between OTAs and minicamp and camp and mandatory minicamp. I don't care. It all looks like gym class to me. We're measuring the hang time of punts, and we're taking pictures of four-string quarterbacks. This does not interest me. This does not interest me. One more time. Herman asks, did Rogers report? No, Herman, to clarify, he did not, in fact, report despite being mandated to do so, which is why it's called mandatory minicamp. I know, it's complicated, and I had to do a lot of research to be able to talk about this today. Thank God I prepared. Thank goodness I prepared. Oh, I'm going to go watch the Brewers. I can't wait. I'm going to have a nice cold beer, watch the Brewers, and not think about the Packers for a moment. Not a single moment tonight. Enjoy the Brewer game. Pre-game starts in just five minutes across all of these wonderful stations on the Brewers Radio Network. I will talk to you tomorrow about the Brewers and the Bucks and nothing else. More of the Wisco Sports Show tomorrow. Talk to you then.